I heard people saying like, well, you work in technology, you should look younger. And it's like, who, who cares? I, I, I don't think it makes me look older because I have this. So oh. that sort of thing, you hear that sort of thing. So, oh, you teach storytelling and you teach presentation skills, but your English is broken. And I'm like, well, doctors do not have to have the disease to treat the disease. So uh, you, you can know about, I, I know the technique, I know the things, and I train people really well. I train C-level, American C-level people, executives, and they're very happy about it. It doesn't mean that they're going to speak like me. They're going to speak their English and, and it's fine. But all this prejudice and, and these little things that minimize your value in the workplace and society, I think they're still here. I do fight against it as much as I can. And I try to help women and to empower women to overcome the imposter phenomenon so they can deal with this better. But still, it is a thing, unfortunately. Welcome to the Immigrant Experience in America, an immigrant human library where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants in the United States and around the world. Listen in as we add another story to our immigrant human library. Hello, my friends, and welcome to another episode of the Immigrant Experience in America, where we amplify and humanize the experiences of immigrants living in the United States and around the world. We are pleased to bring you another story to add to our immigrant human library, and it is that of Sil Curiati. Please correct me, Sil, if I'm butchering your name, but I did my best. She is from Brazil. And we're happy to have her on our show today. Welcome. Thank you so much, Simone. It's a pleasure being here with you. I love your show. I think you do a tremendous job in bringing all people's voices to, to others to listen and to learn their stories. You pronounce my name correctly. We say curiachi in Portuguese because the T in Portuguese has like a chi sound. Uh, depending on the vowel it's next. So it's Kuriachi, yes. Okay, great, great, great. So Sil Kuriachi, welcome, welcome. So tell us Sil, about, a bit about yourself, uh, where you are in life at the moment. Awesome. So I, I like to say that I love to bring the best out of people around me and I love to help them talk their walk. And I'm telling this because that's, a big part of my story. I'm, I graduated in advertising in Brazil. Uh, it's been many, many years already. And I've worked in advertising for most of my life, but I've always had this sidekick and this knack for helping people and coaching people, especially women and groups who feel underrepresented, historically un underrepresented. There are many yeah. people who do not feel they're able to tell their stories or to talk or to speak out loud about themselves just because of what society has done to them. And so I love to help these people in particular. I was working in advertising and then uh, I've, I've moved to Miami. I've lived in Miami for four years. I learned Spanish. This was amazing, an amazing experience for me. Then I got back to Brazil after four years and I joined Google in 2015 where I stayed up until January this year. So I was in Google Brazil, then Google Mountain View where I was 
uh, invited to become an evangelist. Uh, the evangelists that Google are the people who are trained to speak publicly and to uh, talk with Fortune 500 companies. So I was lucky to be one of the 55 evangelists out of 100,000 people there. And then I moved to New York with a global role in Google. But all the time while I was doing my day job as an executive, advertising executive, I had this thing on the side that was uh, coaching women, especially on self-promoting and talking and public speaking and presentation skills. So this year, I decided that, well, last year, actually, I opened my own, co own company, Story. Uh, and this year, I decided that's what I should do for a living. I should quit my corporate life and the comfort of having a health insurance and a salary every month to become an entrepreneur in the U.S. I'm living in New Jersey now. I came to okay. New York. I'm in New Jersey. And that's what I do now for a living. And I absolutely love it. Awesome. That's so cool of your time with Google. I'm looking forward to hearing more about that journey. So yeah. interesting. So give us a taste for what life is like in Brazil. I tell you with a previous place that I worked with, I had it on my list and I wanted to get posted to Brazil. Didn't actually work out, but it's on my list. Carnaval and Oh, all the vibrancy of that country. So give us for a sense for what you did when you were growing up, fun things you did, what what is the culture like, you know, why should we go to Brazil? Well, Brazil, you're absolutely correct, Mon. Brazil is a very vibrant country. And I I do miss this vibrancy. It's obvious obviously. Things have changed a lot and politics are not as great as it should in Brazil. So there are many things that have been, been happening um, throughout the years that I, I don't feel safe there anymore. That's one of the reasons why I came to the U.S. But setting, setting this aside, I can tell you that I'm passionate about the multicultural and the variety of uh, possibilities in Brazil. Brazil is home for many different countries outside their, their place, their land. And it's actually it actually hosts the largest colony of Portugal, Spain, Italy, Lebanon, Japan. So it's very, very multiracial and multi multicultural. Plus, there are lots of Africans there too. And you can imagine how this mix looks beautiful so people who are mixed are just incredibly beautiful they have all these different traces and and traits and them it's just wonderful they have all these different backgrounds so uh there is a lot of uh there is strong uh connection with food and different foods and there is strong connection with music so samba comes from there right so samba with with the percussion and all the um well the beat is just uh very uh, I, I would say it's, it's probably the, the thing that makes me want to dance every time that I listen to it makes you want to move it's just incredible hence carnival being such a popular party I was born in carnival by the way so all my birthday parties throughout my life were celebrating carnival they were like people were in costumes and there were uh, the drums and and scholars just samba as we say the samba schools that play in the parades 
Um, so this is beautiful. And, and food, as I said, food is something that's also very special in Brazil. You can eat the best food of different cultures in their neighborhoods, and you're, you're going to be amazed. Uh, this and also uh, Brazil is a very large country. So you do have different climates and different landscapes. So you have the mountains and you have the beach and you have uh, very, ho very hot and uh, like very warm water and hot weather uh, up on the northeast and humid on the northwest. And then south is cool. It's Sometimes it's snow now in Brazil. It, it didn't used to snow. With the climate change, now it's been snowy. But uh, we are very blessed uh, with nature as well there. And I think it's worth a visit and worth it a tour like around the different parts of Brazil because you will notice like different accents, different but it's it's just very magical to see the different people and, and it's just beautiful. Oh, I can imagine. I can imagine. I've heard people say that it has the largest people of African descent outside of the continent, right? There you go. Yes, yes, for sure. For sure. I, I, I wouldn't say I, I did. I wouldn't know about Africa in general, but I know that certain countries. Yes, for sure. Yes. Oh, that's on my list. I really. Yeah. Maybe we can plan a tour or something or work something yeah, out. So many ideas as it concerns immigrants living abroad and possibilities of what we could do together. So we will touch on that at another time. Daughter and I watched Rio and just the colors and all of the activity that was going on in that movie. She really loved it. So I'm sure she did. It's beautiful. Yeah. How far is it like when you take a flight from the U.S., like depending on if you're in the Northeast or in the South, like from Miami, like how long is it? Well, if you're from Miami going to Sao Paulo or Rio, it's going to be a little under eight hours, uh, probably 7.30. And from New York, from where I am, it's about 10 hours. Okay. And they, there are direct flights straight to, to the there South, are, yeah. Yes, there are straight flights to Sao Paulo and to Rio as well, the biggest airports in, in Brazil. Very good. Very good. Yeah. All right. We will continue to talk about how we're going to work out this trip for my family and I. And I love that. want to come along. Happy to help. Yeah. So it sounds like I think I read your bio a little bit. And then from what you were saying that you came to the U.S. for a brief moment and then Google happened and then you went back. So, you know, like what was it like for you when you first moved the first time, like adjusting? Did you have English already? Where did you go? How was that experience? This is a funny, uh, it, was a, it was a funny experience because I, I came to the U.S. for the first time in 1999. I was working in advertising in Brazil and my boyfriend then had a, an offer, a job offer. He was Brazilian too, and he had a job offer in Miami and he invited to come with him to live with him. So it was a big move for me. Like I was coming out of my parents' house and because in Brazil, we live with our parents throughout college and everything. That's a different thing culturally from many, um, well, from America, for sure. People leave uh, their homes when and their parents when they're going to college. In Brazil, no, you spend college in your parents' house usually. Or, you, or only if you're gonna leave, uh, if you're gonna go to college somewhere else, it's fine. Otherwise, you're home. So I was living my parents' home and 
moving on, moving in with someone and moving countries. And I came to the US with English, but very broken English, I would say, because it was English from school, right? So I, I used to, to take some classes, extra classes. So I could I could understand basically everything, but sometimes I was feeling like I would feel ashamed of speaking and I was more shy and all that. <clears throat> Interestingly enough, I I actually noticed that people would not address me in English in Miami. Well, Miami is a beach place and I would go to the beach every day if I could. So I was looking very tan in general. So with a darker skin and some Latina uh, looks, people would address me in Spanish and I did not speak a word in Spanish. A word. It was just ridiculous. I knew like, well, not, not speaking a word. It's not true, but I, I would know little things. And we say that we speak Portuñol, like Spanglish. We say that we speak Portuñol in Brazil. So, wow, if you speak Portuguese with uh, Hispanic, they will understand you. You assume that's correct, which is not, right? So I decided to practice my Spanish and I got really good at it. I was speaking Spanish in different with different accents because I had friends from Argentina, from Peru, from Chile, from uh, Nicaragua, from many different places. So they would speak with me and I would learn their style. And that was a fun thing that happened to me then. I worked in advertising in Miami and it was it was incredible, great experience. I fell in love with the U.S. mostly because I felt safe here. Uh, for me, security is an issue. And that's, as I said, that was the trigger for me, probably the main trigger that actually took me again to the, brought me again to the U.S. because I, I don't feel safe in my country anymore, unfortunately, at least in Sao Paulo, my hometown. Yeah, so I so I, I I stayed there for four years. It was amazing. Then we broke up, and I went back to Brazil. Oh, one thing that was probably the highlight of my time in Miami is that I took up uh, ballroom dancing, and I started to practice like six times a week, three hours a day, and I became really good at it. I was competing in amateur com competitions, but I was competing eleven categories. I was like so happy. And when I got back to Brazil, it was probably the thing that I missed the most. <laughs> then uh, then a lot of things happened throughout the years. Uh, I, I got back to Brazil in 2004. So for 11 years, I was doing something else until I got to Google in 2015. And with Google, my international career ramped up again. Like, okay. And then you came back to New York. And then I came back at first to California. So first I came to Mountain View to the headquarters to be trained as an evangelist. And while in California, I got this offer in New York and I was like, yeah, New York, I would love to live in New York. And then we came to New York. My husband came with me and I, we were there until the pandemic hit. When the pandemic hit, uh, we decided to get a place with outdoor space that we could have some sanity. And we bought a house in New Jersey. So here I am. Oh, okay. Yeah, New Jersey's night. I lived in Philly there for a short stint before moving to the Atlanta area. Cherry Hill was a big uh, deal over there. 
Yeah. And, um, and then we drove to New York. It's such a vibrant spot there. Just so much going on and culture and energy and uh, languages. So yeah, I get I get that. No, it's it's been it's been amazing. I mean, I I love living in this area, and I love the ability to go to New York every time I want. So I have meetings there, and I go uh, like every week. I'm I'm in Manhattan, but uh, having the space like I have a forest. I'm I'm over, overlooking a forest in the back of my house. It's just beautiful. It's a blessing. Yes. Oh wow, wow. Yes, it's beautiful down here in the south too. So. If you can find that in the Northeast and all and being so close to the coast and all the culture and all the food that you can find. Hey, I best of both worlds. I get that. I but should you go can, visit. Yes, yes, yes. But you're welcome for us. I shall for me to show you around. It's it's really nice down here. Nature, nature, nature. But you mentioned the word evangelist. And so it's quite an interesting word for Google to use, but I guess, of course, you know, Google, of course, right? Meaning of things and they're behind all of that. But I, I get a religious sense when I hear the word evangelist, like immediately. And so I'm wondering, like, how did they come to bring in that word to call their people evangelists? Like, give us a sense for that. This is uh, this is so funny because I, every time I talk about being an evangelist, I I kind of add well not the type that carries a Bible around <laughs> preaching to people. That's not what we do. I I find the the expression um, odd too, but it's something that in the advertising industry it's fairly common when we talk about people who actually uh, present things and uh, people who actually uh, talk about different types of businesses uh, where they can add value from different sorts of uh, areas not in particular uh, selling anything it's not that I'm selling a product to you I'm, I'm talking business I'm evangelizing you into the concept of transformation for example so uh, it goes very well with the idea of business transformation, digitization of businesses and all that. It's it's the sort of context that it applies. Oh, interesting. All right. So it's pretty used in that space. Give us a sense then uh, for some of the challenges that you had adjusting to life here, apart from having to learn English and then adapting to the Spanish speaking population like what are some other things as you started working and really just being yourself and showing trying to be your authentic Brazilian immigrant self I think it's not easy to be a woman anywhere in the world and I, I I do I do think it's it's getting better though but I don't think it's easy for us to be a woman to be a business leader to be an executive the world is still ruled by men and being a woman and having all the other layers and the intersectionalities, as we call, so uh, let's say being Black or being a woman and being a Latina, being a woman, being a Latina and over 45, these are all the layers that I carry. So I identify as a woman, as a Latina, as a, a woman of uh, 46 years old. So all these things. And very importantly, as we talk about my podcast, plus that intersection of also being an immigrant and someone with an accent. Yeah? This is perfect. This is very well put. So uh, I'm, a, I'm a Latina because I come from Latin America, but I, don't know, I do not identify as Hispanic, although 
big part of my heritage comes from Spain. So one side of my family, my mom's side comes from Spain and Portugal. And the other side, my dad's comes from Lebanon and Syria. So I do have the Arabic. So also the Arabic components that I do have a tattoo here is, is not welcome everywhere in the US. So having the Arabic thing, having the accent, being a Latina, speaking broken English, because although I'm here and I speak English every day, sometimes I, I miss words, I mispronounce words, and, and this still happens. And I made peace with it. Because if I did not, that would be really hard for me to carry my work and to um, even run my company, right? I I don't feel ashamed by it anymore. I feel like if I spoke, I speak broken English is because I speak other languages too. And I can, I speak Spanish and I speak Portuguese. So I speak th three languages more than most Americans in general. So yeah. I, I, I'm fine with this now, but me being fine with it does not mean it's easier for me because people can be hard on you just because of all these things. So I heard things like, well, um, maybe you're, so I do have this gray hair here that I, I love it. I just live it there. I do not dye this part of my hair because it's very gray and I think it's cute. And I heard people saying like, well, you work in technology, you should look younger. And it's like, who, who cares? I, I don't think it makes me look older because I have this. So oh. that sort of thing, you hear that sort of thing. So, oh, you teach storytelling and you teach presentation skills, but your English is broken. And I'm like, well, doctors do not have to have the disease to treat the disease. So uh, you, you can know about, I, I know the technique, I know the things, and I train people really well. I train C-level, American C-level people, executives, and they're very happy about it. It doesn't mean that they're going to speak like me. They're going to speak their English and, and it's fine. But all this prejudice and, and these little things that minimize your value in the workplace and society, I think they're still here. I do fight against it as much as I can. And I try to help women and to empower women to overcome the imposter phenomenon so they can deal with this better. But still, it is a thing, unfortunately. Unfortunately, but the, the interesting thing is there's such a bias towards English too, because the, 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 the world, I haven't really done the research, but I would almost venture to say that I don't necessarily think that the majority of the globe is English speaking because we have so many different languages, the Spanish, we have Spanish, the, well, the Romance languages, as they like to say, English, Spanish, and French. And then you have so many other native tongues of people from so many different places. So it's so interesting that you're basically being told, like, if you don't speak English, that you can't have this profession. There's a plenty of people who will be happy to tell their stories in Portuguese, in Spanish. There's so many audiences that you can speak to. You don't have to always use English. So it's, called, it's so interesting in this immigrant experience, what you find like some of the biases that come out when you deal with English speakers and people here in the U.S., it's it's just amazing to me sometimes. Very well put, Simone. I mean, I do most of my clientele 
do not, does not come from the US. They are immigrants here or they are in different countries working with the US, uh, with a American, an American company or working with American teams for some reason. And I do help them bridge the gap because there is a cultural gap also in the style, the way you self-promote. Uh, yeah. As Latinas, for example, we come from um, a more uh, communal culture. We, we are more collective. And we talk about we, and we, we use a lot of the, uh, the we pronoun and us and ours, as opposed to Americans who are very individualistic. And in the spectrum between collectivist cultures and individualistic cultures, the US is the on the top of the individualistic culture, mm-hmm. which means that it, it does not mean that the Americans do not value teamwork or anything like that. It means that Americans value the, the authentic self-promotion for them is when you talk about me. I'm talking about me. I did this. I led that. I'm the owner of whatever. So I do things. And the, if you self-promote like that in Amer- an American company, your chances of being promoted and getting a salary raise and uh, being more exposed, they increase. As opposed to Latinas, especially women, Latinas in general, we are perceived as uh, angry, as too aggressive. And on the collectivist side, we talk about we a lot. So, oh, my team did this and that. And an American would ask me, okay, but what was your role in this thing? Oh, I helped them. No, you led them. You are the leader. You have to learn that sort of thing. So I, I help to, to go back to your question. I help people to make, to bridge this gap and to make these connections and also feel more confident about a broken English or about their own uh, language and how they can self-promote in their own language and how they can use uh, these two languages to uh, uplift their, their abilities and possibilities in the company that they are, where they are. Uh, but I do have American clients too. And those are the ones who are more open-hearted and they have an open mind to understand that, well, culture, different cultures are beautiful and they can bring so much on the table and they can help us so much. So they like to learn from me because they understand how to connect with different teammates as well. And in the end, it's, it's a beautiful match, but it's not everyone. I mean, it's I, I'm not generalizing here because I hate that type of thing. And overall, I'm I, I feel a very good reception from Americans in general because I, obviously, people who reach out to me, they want to learn from me and they they are interested. But there is a big chunk of the market with uh, which still feels like some feels strange from learning from a different uh, person, a person from a different culture, I would say. Yes, right, right, right. That whole multicultural perspective as is so important, I think, as you deal with people, whether it's in leadership, being able to relate to people from different places, different experiences, different languages. It's such a powerful thing as we, this whole idea of globalization and as we deal, we can jump on a flight and be anywhere in the world in the same day. I agree. And and now right. with Zoom, and now with the meetings in Zoom, I mean, 
it's it's magical like people don't need to travel anymore you talk to the entire world every day you don't need to like it, it gives you more possibilities even if you're not in a leadership position usually leaders are the ones traveling so if you're not in a leadership position now you're still exposed to people from other cultures from all over the world and that's beautiful Yes, 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 yes. And it's uh, for me, I see it as one of my guests, previous guests called it the salad bowl, right? Not necessarily the melting pot, as we like to say. But you know, we bring when we bring ourselves, uh, people like to say the US is where you come to forget who you are. And so those of us who are becoming this hybrid of the American culture and our birth countries, right, we're trying to hold on to our cultural heritage to make something like a more beautiful salad bowl because it, there's so much value in how people around the world do things. And you see people who travel and actually... When we talk about origins and you see there's a lot of things here in the U.S. that people implement and even market and sell. And when you travel to like the African continent, Latin America, or different countries, you see that it actually originated somewhere else. But people just bring it here and market it better to, to the, the population that's here. And now it becomes a big thing because it's now being marketed from the U.S. So it's so important. We all bring value to the table. Right. Yeah. Which is why. I'm, you know, using this platform to show that people from different places have so much to offer. And when we see that, just we're so much better for that. Yes. I agree. I agree. And I love the the use of salad bowl instead of melting pot, because in a melting pot, you feel like people are blending in and they they do not have their boundaries anymore. And it's all one big thing that's melted. While in a salad bowl, you do have the different colors, shapes, textures. They're still preserved, but they're mixed together. And that's beautiful. Yes. And everybody uh, shows up that, you know, as we're all constantly changing, evolving, growing. Right. But we show up authentically as who we are with our whatever. If it's a mother tongue, if we have an accent, uh, there's just so much beauty in that. Right. Not necessarily muting that down absolutely right and so as you can tell we're both in our yellows here yellows is part of the brazilian flag that black green and gold from the jamaican flag we love yeah we love vibrancy we love the sun you can see the tones in my skin in my hair everywhere we we embrace that this is part yes. of who we are there's nothing to be ashamed of at times negative tones of messaging about you know whether you know you know, having color in your skin or, you know, the way you express yourself, embrace that. That's a part of your superpower as an immigrant, you know, because I struggled for the longest time just embracing, you know, and trying to feel, get a sense of belonging and trying to fit in with something that I wasn't. And the longer I tried to change and become something else, it just worked against me. And so the moment I just rested back into just who Simone is, what I bring to the table, what is naturally organically who I am, I can I can embrace the world um, and embrace other people with what they bring because you are embracing yourself with who you are. It starts with you, you know? Yes, absolutely. I think you're, you're so right. It's... It's tough. I, I understand it's tough for some people to show their authentic selves because some of them, um, they they run risks if they show, 
if they show who they are in certain parts of any country. And that's really sad. Um, but we're aiming at this time in life where we're going to be safe showing who we are all the time. It's just, uh, I feel like in corporations, we are safer because there are policies and there, there's safety in place. So there are policies in place that protect us so we can show a little bit more. Like at Google, they talk a lot about diversity and we were able, the teams were diverse and we were able to show that. But what matters the most in any company, in any place, is what you said about belonging, which has to do with inclusion. We talk a lot about the beauty of diversity, but not everyone is worried about inclusion. And inclusion is the key to make things happen, to foster innovation, to foster conversation, to promote transformation. Powerful, powerful, powerful. Um, we are a country here in the United States of immigrants from probably every country around the world. And I know the U.S. government has gone to extents with creating the diversity visa, right? It's called the diversity visa to basically open the door for people from countries that have very small populations here to diversify the country even more. So look at that, right? So I'm just embracing all of it. I love it, love it, love it. Um, so still, I'm wondering, how do you manage or, you know, the pressures of being, I would probably not knowing deeply about your background, whether you are for, you would be considered a first generation immigrant. So how do you balance some of the pressures of, what life is like in Brazil versus what life is like and who you're becoming. So have you really changed throughout the time you've been here? And how do you then relate to people back in your country who are saying like, Silly's is not the same person we know. Like, where's our Sil? <laughs> it happens, right? And we don't even know why. It, it's more clear in evidence just because we move countries and people spend uh, like the year sometime, sometimes without seeing you. So when they see you again, they're like, oh my gosh, it, it's kind of shocking. But uh, it, it feels to me, so uh, I'm, I would start by citing an Egyptian writer, Naguib Mafus. He mm. says that home is the place where our need to leave ceases, our need to leave erases. We feel like, well, here is home. I do feel like that today in the US, but I don't know if uh, tomorrow I can say the same thing. Maybe I will change. And I felt like I was home in Brazil when I lived there. And now I don't anymore. It's funny to say this, but when I go back home, it doesn't feel like home. It feels like I'm a, I'm a visitor. I'm almost a tourist. And although the familiarity of the food and the smells and the scent and the, the sights and everything brings, warms my heart, it does yeah. not feel home anymore. I cannot explain why these things happen. I am a first generation immigrant and all my family is there. I'm here with my husband, but I have siblings there. I have my parents there and cousins and aunts and uncles. And I miss them. I miss the people. 
So we try to be in contact and stay in contact uh, through WhatsApp. So WhatsApp is big in Brazil. And uh, so it's our text message, but with a lot of pictures, a lot of videos. So my my nephews, they send videos and there's a baby and, and my my brother sends videos. So I can kind of follow through and they're, they're growing up and how they're being raised and, and all these things, which I miss deeply. But I, I think that the balance to me is more like I need to keep my sanity and, and stay where I feel like home and then go back as much as I can to see the people I love. Because people, I, I met a lot of people who I love today here in the US, but it's not the same. The people back in Brazil, they're the ones who I have connection with. They saw me, uh, I have friendships from 30 years 40 years 40 years even I have I have friends from 40 years we were six when we met and this we miss because it's hard to find the same connection as we grow older right we find connection in certain points of life but people who you met when you were children and when you're teenagers and they grew up with you even though they can take different paths and different journeys in life there is still this bonding thing. There is still this connection that's that we cannot explain. It's love. It's something else. Yes. So you mentioned a few times that you didn't feel, you no longer felt safe in Sao Paulo. And I'm wondering, you know, what's going on in the country? Because, you know, we don't really get a lot of international news unless we actually seek it out here in the U.S. It's not really in the general headlines that we're seeing it's it's news is very local here and like what's going on in brazil because i thought the country was considered somewhat stable economically okay you know i know venezuela has you know things have turned really badly there but what's going on in brazil you know brazil we we had elections president presidential elections in the end of last year and now we have uh, lula back in in charge before that, we had Bolsonaro for four years, and it was when education budgets were decreased. Uh, it's, it was when taxation over guns were decreased as well, so people were buying more guns. Food was very expensive. So you can imagine a country where there is hunger, there is no education, and you can buy guns. That actually summarizes what's happened in Brazil for the past four years, and now it needs to be fixed. And it's a lot of work. So there is a lot of violence. Uh, there are people, it, we used to have like pickpocketing in Brazil. Now there are people with guns at 6 p.m. on the corner of your house in a nice neighborhood waiting for you to, to pass, and they're going to rob your cell phone. Yeah. Cell phones are a big thing there because in cell phones, you carry your apps and you have your bank account and you have your cards. So they make you unlock and, and use it. And that's scary. That And that happens more often than it used to. I think it's great news that we do not see uh, all this bad news here in the US because uh, I, I don't think people should be scared of going there, but you definitely should watch out. 
Yeah. Me living there was a trigger. And maybe because I'm very sensitive to that sort of thing. So I saw some robberies, I saw some things happening and um, there were bad things happening to people I love. And that, that scares me. And because I'm that type of person, because I have friends and I was with three friends yesterday who love going to Brazil. They love to visit Brazil all the time and they love to spend as much time as they can and they feel nice and they do things. And I'm like, I'm scared. That's me. That's me. So I don't want to, I don't want people to feel like because Sil thinks that way, it's happening all over. It's not. It's still nice. You can go there, you can visit, you can have fun. But for example, I would not wear my jewelry there. And I would not recommend you to do either. Like your necklace is a gold necklace. Do not wear it. Why? Don't just don't run the risk. Just be smart. You have to be street smart in Brazil. That's it. Yes. No, I get that. And it's the same advice that I would give people for going to Jamaica too. Um, there's mixed reviews, but I visited in November last year. I was there in June and I feel safe. We rented a car and we were all over the place driving around and we had no issues, right? But if you Google travel, right, then you would be concerned with going. But so it's it's always kind of a mix. Every country has its issues with crime and violence and the government is constantly trying to get it under control. But as you say, when there's inequality in societies and there's other imbalances with with things, then it it just, it shows up, you know? And then when the young people tend to feel like they don't have a channel to kind of direct them towards the formal economy or education or access to things, then they take they take, they make other decisions, right? And when they get access to gun, then it starts getting out of control, which is the same issue Jamaica is dealing with. I just, I hope that they're able to get it under control because we can't afford to um, get, you know, lose control of that beautiful place as well as Brazil. I agree. Yeah. I hope it, they're it's... able to get it under control. Yeah, it's it's really it's really sad. Like a beautiful place as Jamaica, people go there to have fun and to relax and to go to the beaches and to eat good food and for the hospitality and all these amazing things that Jamaica is known for. The music, and then you're scared. It, it should it should not happen. But as you you pointed out. It's happening everywhere. All countries have it nowadays. So we see this happening in the U.S. as well. And when I first lived here in 2000, it was not like that. It was much safer than it is today. Join us again next time for part two of this episode. Friends, as always, please subscribe, comment, and share if you enjoyed this interview. If you're passionate about telling immigrant stories, our team is looking for help. If you're willing to help with podcast production, social media, or Patreon management, please reach out to us. You can also donate on our Patreon if it's easier for you. All the links are in the description below. Thank you. We thank our listeners around the world and we appreciate your continued support as we build our human library. Please remember to give us a five-star review, subscribe and share with your friends, family and circle of influence.